Welcome to the Indie Dev Life podcast, a show about the ins and outs of independent software development. My name is Brian, and I am an independent developer. So as I mentioned last episode, I recently started a new app project. Part of starting any new project is about choosing a theme, getting a logo, and really getting together everything that's going to embody the design of your application. As developers, we sometimes don't think about the user interface or the graphic design, but as an independent developer, you have to think of that because you're the only one doing the work. And so I know when I first started out doing graphic and visual design, I was really bad at it, and it was really intimidating. And while I don't think that I'm a good or great graphic designer or UI designer today, what I do think is that I've learned a bunch of tips and uh, little tricks for myself to kind of get me along in the process. And I wanted to kind of go over those things today. That's kind of what I wanted to focus this episode on. For all of my apps, I have done some combination of paying for graphic design assets to be made, things like logos and iconography, and other parts I've done myself. For any sort of logo or starting point, uh, usually I will go to a site called 99designs, which is kind of a designer's auction house kind of website. You pay them some money, and a bunch of designers contribute samples to you, and you get to pick kind of which one you like, and then after you pick a finalist... They're awarded the cost of the project, and then you go through further design with them to really kind of flesh out and get the final versions. I did that with Pine.blog originally, and I actually ended up editing the finalized version of the logo into what it is today. The original version had a tree and a pine cone in the logo, and I, I stripped out the tree part and kind of modernized the design to look a little bit more comfortable on newer versions of iOS. For 9.9s and d20.photos, I actually designed both of those logos myself. They're very simple designs, and they're not apps per se. They're more just websites. But I still needed a logo for them, and I still needed an icon to show when advertising them. I think overall that strategy has worked really well, kind of getting somebody to design the early stages for a couple hundred bucks, design a logo to kind of center your designs around, and then I usually tweak from there, you know, expanding on the design or modifying it or changing it or building the site around it. 99designs will also allow you to pay for a designer to design your entire website. I personally haven't done that. I I usually stick to fairly straightforward tooling like Bootstrap or whatever other user interface framework, design framework I'm already using, and then kind of theme it to match what the colors are in the logo. Or sometimes I've actually gone to a designer with a color palette already in mind, and then they've built a logo with those colors or with similar colors. And then I tweak, usually Bootstrap, to use those same colors. To do a lot of that editing, you'll need some sort of photo editing, image editing tool. Obviously, a lot of people use Photoshop. Uh, I don't have Photoshop. I use Acorn, uh, which is a similar kind of photo editing, image editing software for the Mac. Uh, It's been around for a long time. I think it's made by Gus Mueller. Uh, The software is really great. Uh, I've used it for years. It's kind of like a simpler Photoshop. It doesn't do as much, and it doesn't do everything that you might have in Photoshop, but it it suits my purposes just fine, and it it gives me a, a good starting place to kind of mess around with images and do all sorts of manipulations, whatever I need to do. Image editing is a skill that I definitely did not and to a large part do not still have. It takes a long time to learn how to do that kind of work. I ended up watching a lot of little video tutorials, reading a lot of Acorn's actually really excellent documentation. And just kind of playing with things. Sometimes I would want to make a logo or a design and then just spend a couple hours playing with it to see what I could do. Most of the time it ended up being really bad, but it taught me something along the way. Like, oh, how do I do this? How do I add these shapes on here? And then how can I mask them with other shapes or what effects do what and how can I use them? Really, it's image editing is a thing you just need to do to get better at, but it's not something to be afraid of. On the color palette side, like I said, I've sometimes come into projects with a color palette already in mind. 
That's not because I know how to design color palettes. I, I really don't. There's this really great website that I found called coolors.co. It basically generates matching color palettes for you, uh, and it gives you six colors, and then you can kind of, you know, generate random palettes or uh, match certain colors you already like with new colors that, that can accent it. I've really found that to be incredibly helpful. Overall, I try to match uh, the bootstrap paradigm when I do any sort of palette design. So bootstrap has, uh, for anyone who's used bootstrap, the framework basically details. There's a primary color, a secondary color, an info, warning, and danger color, and then usually two background colors, light or dark. I usually try to mimic that. Sometimes I add a third color, like primary, secondary, tertiary, but the rest of it I basically keep to the bootstrap design. So I use the cooler site generator to create, you know, the six or seven colors that I will need that fit those and then kind of try to slot them into, okay, which one is going to represent danger? Which one is going to be the info color? Which is primary and secondary? Which is the light background and dark background? And then kind of go from there. Uh, That paradigm for me has been really helpful. Sometimes I, I need like a shadow color or something else and I'll put in a couple colors into the generator and then see what it comes out for matching colors and then adjust from there. But overall, I kind of base what I need on whether or not Bootstrap has, you know, a paradigm or a, or a name for the thing I'm looking for. And I try not to get too carried away with different kinds of colors. The same goes for fonts. I, I use Google Fonts for a lot of things. Uh, some of the templates I use or some of the pre-built themes that I end up tweaking, I get from like a free bootstrap theme site, but then I end up either tweaking the fonts or tweaking the colors or the shapes or something like that. For fonts, I, I try to pick fairly straightforward or standard fonts. I try not to deviate too much. You can get really unreadable or really amateurish really quickly with fonts. And I haven't found that there are that many great tools that can really guide you like there are with colors and color palettes. So I try to just stick with that, with whatever's built in. So once I have a logo and I have a color palette and some fonts, as I said, I usually use some sort of free theme or just bootstrap and customize it from there. And then, you know, just kind of build my site. When I'm on, when I'm doing stuff for iOS, uh, I try to stick as much to the stock UI as possible. I haven't gone too deeply into messing with UI appearance or any of the like system customization tools. I tend to pretty much stick with stock UI and then theme it with colors. iOS has a tint color paradigm that it has a, a single color represents the actionable items. And I try to kind of stick to that. Whatever the primary color is in the web theme is going to become the tint color in the app. Sometimes the app will have a different tint color for light and dark, like Pine.blog is, uses the blue from the website for its primary color in light mode, but it uses the green from the app icon when in dark mode. And that was just because they looked better, and I really like both the blue and the green, and I wanted to be able to leverage both. Uh, they still felt like Pine.blog to me. Really, when you're designing a color palette or you're designing a logo or you're having one made, you're really trying to put a stamp on the project, on the app, or on the website and say, this is its unique identity. This is the thing that will set it apart from other things. This is a unique color or icon that people will remember. And also that it's something that fits in with the modern styling of the web and with iOS and Android. One of the reasons I stick so heavily to stock UI on iOS and to a lesser extent to Bootstrap on the web is that Bootstrap is as close as the web gets to stock UI. The actual stock UI of websites is a little bit outdated looking and Bootstrap kind of fills the gap for me of the, it looks like a website, it looks like stock UI. But the reason I stick with that on iOS and on the web is because the stock stuff usually upgrades with time. Apple will give you upgrades to stock UI that you would have to build yourself in other cases. It feels more natural. It feels like how users would expect it to be. But also the design trends that change 
over time, the stock UI is updated to reflect those changes. So when Bootstrap 4 comes out, it looks more modern than Bootstrap 3 does. And if you had built most of that yourself, you'd then have to redo it. So sticking with stock UI is basically like always being slightly mediocre, but it's always like the safe bet when it comes to design. You're never going to be behind. You're never going to be ahead. Uh, You're always going to kind of be in the center of the pack and you'll get a lot of stuff for free. And because I'm not a designer, I don't have a lot of really interest or skills in designing user interfaces in that way. That middle of the pack kind of feel uh, works really well for my apps. And there's a lot you can do customizing like a font or a couple fonts and some colors that really can make your app stand out. It's amazing sometimes how changing the corner radius and adding a slight shadow makes it no longer feel like stock UI, even though it absolutely is. The app that I'm working on right now has a kind of timeline looking list view and the cells in it are stock UI. Everything is just UI table view, UI table view cell, but it's been customized a little bit to kind of look more modern, more up to date. It's something that we don't often think about, but mobile design and website design changes pretty much yearly. And while it's probably fine that you look one year out of date, maybe a little bit longer, it's not good that you looked two or three years out of date. And as much as you may not want to, it is really important to kind of keep up with those design trends. The good news is things like fonts and a color palette don't change. Like your app will have a color palette because that is the identifying colors of your of your icon, of your entire application. But how big the shadows are, how big the rounded corners are, or how much inset margins there are, whether it's a tile layout or list view, how forefront the images in your application are, whether there are subtle animations here and there. A lot of that is the design language that changes all the time. And it can be really good to be on top of that if you can. Uh, I definitely try to just not look behind because that is not a skill that I have. And that's okay. As an independent developer, you have to replace, you have to basically do the work of an entire team, a graphic designer, a user interface designer, a developer, a system administrator, business people, CEO, finance person, tax person. You have to do all of that work. And it's okay that you're just kind of okay at most of them. You don't need to be an excellent graphic designer. That said, if you are an excellent graphic designer, that can really set you apart. So if you do have those kind of skills or you're interested in learning those kind of skills, then definitely go for it because any sort of advantage you can do there, whether it's a particularly nice looking interface or a particularly of sleek animations or a particularly clever uh, layout, all of that can really, really help set your application apart from the from the rest. Overall, though, having a set of tools like a color palette generator and using that in conjunction with stock tooling and occasionally paying for a logo or any sort of professional asset can work really well. It's a strategy that, that does cost a little bit of money, but it's not outrageous. It's definitely, it's definitely an investment, but that logo is going to serve you well for the years your application exists. And the rest of it, I feel like the rest of it you can make up as you go. You don't really need to have it out of the gate. That's all for this week. I just wanted to talk a little bit about how to design applications, what kind of tools are out there, what's expected of you, and how to kind of think about your applications and your interface and and your iconography and your fonts and stuff. In other news, my book, Going Indie, A Complete Guide to Becoming an Independent Developer, is now available for pre-order on Apple Books and should soon be rolling out to pre-order on Amazon. It will be available on Amazon in both print and ebook format, and it should be available in other locations as well. I don't have a firm date on when it will show up on Amazon available for pre-order, but when I do, I'll make sure to announce it. If you are interested in the book, please consider pre-ordering. Pre-orders have a disproportionate impact on the sales of a book, so a pre-order is worth more than an after-launch sale. The book will be coming out on November 18th, so you'll have plenty of time to pre-order order it still. And then once it comes out, obviously you can still get it. Barnes and Noble on Amazon or Apple Books or any other place. And if you like the show, please consider giving it a rating on Apple Podcasts. That really helps a lot.